Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, well we're just starting, um, I'm going to ask Rob for my uh, remote control. Great. Well it's great to see you and as that song said, better is one day in his house. Isn't that great? Just to spend time together, knowing that Jesus is here by his spirit with us in the midst. And uh, we're really excited about this message series. Uh, this series is part two today. Thank you, Jude. Um, on, a, on a subject called Just Ask It. Just Ask It. So it's a four-part message series. And I'm really ex- excited, looking forward to the 31st of, of uh, January. Who's excited for that? Baptism's a great time. We've got um, our speaker for the morning there will be uh, John Partington, the national leader of AOG, so we'll be thrilled to be here with the baptismal service. So that's going to be really, really good. So this is um, part two of our new series. But if I go into it, um, who here has made a New Year's resolution? A New Year's resolution. No, people shaking their heads. Well, <laughs> do you want to know some of the top ten New Year's resolutions from 2015? Okay, so this is January 2015, when people made news resolutions. Um, this is according to a source online, okay? And it says a poll of almost 1,700 adults, um, they came up with these top 10. So at number 10 was to find love. Find love. Number 9 was to travel more. 8... <laughs> Find love on traveling. Number eight was to start my own business. That was 11%. Seven was to spend more time with families and friends. Here, here. Six was to find a new job or change career. Anyone doing that this year? Yeah, one person. Yeah. Um, number, number five was to stop smoking. It's a good thing to stop, isn't it? Number four was to get out of debt. That sounds good. Number three, <clears throat> this is, applies to me, to lose weight. Number two was to drink less alcohol. And I think number one sort of ties in with number three. So the, the top number one news resolution for 2015 was, drum roll, get fitter and healthier. Yeah. Sounds good, doesn't it? That was 63% to get fit and uh, and uh, so it's great. I mean, a lot of people aren't used to making resolutions because they feel that they break them. But there's also been some um, stuff online. This was an article um, in the, the, the mail. And it said this. Um, don't be, to, to, to keep this about an article about keeping news resolutions. Don't be critical. Track your progress and find a news resolution buddy. Psychologists reveal six top tips to help you stick to your 2016 goals. Okay, so apparently, if, if, uh, facts, 40% of adults make news resolutions, a study re- reveals. Okay, so 40%. But only 40 to 60% of them actually stick with their resolutions. Okay? One in three fail within the first seven days. And hence, not a lot of people make resolutions. Um, resolutions centered on criticisms or misunderstood, misunderstood behavior are likely to fail. And they say to keep a resolution, stay positive, and focus on healthy alternatives. Okay. 
So there's six. There's a few different facts there. But of this, uh, this um, study, six things some psychologists have said to make your resolutions actually come into fruition, to actually keep your, your resolutions going throughout the whole of a year. Six things. Number one, understand the reason why you want to change. Sounds common sense, doesn't it? Understand the reason why you want to change. Number two, ask yourself the difficult questions. So why do you do that? Why do you want to change? Number three, don't be negative. If a resolution is a criticism, you're less likely to follow through. Number four, opt for a healthy substitute instead of depriving yourself. So rather than stop doing this, what are you going to do instead? Number five, track your progress. So I guess that's LinkedIn if you want to lose weight. How much weight have you lost? And this was an interesting one. Number six, the final one. Seek out a resolution buddy. So who are you going to talk to about your resolution, your progress, how you're doing, the results you're getting, are you doing as you expected, getting someone to ask you those questions. I thought that was a very interesting um, statement. Seek out a resolution buddy. Now, I'll come on to that a little bit later on in my message this morning. This is part two of our new teaching series called um, Just Ask It. And today's uh, title is particularly called Change Your Chair. And uh, I gave you some homework last week. Because this whole, whole series is about a question that you and I can ask to help us make not just good decisions, not just okay decisions, but to make some great decisions in our life. And if I could tell you a question that you could ask ahead of any decision that you make that could turn your decisions from good to great, wouldn't you want to hear it? And this was the question. So, subtitle to the message series is the question that answers just about anything. And here's the question. What's the wise thing to do? Ahead of any decision that you make, whether it's about career, family, relationships, financial investments, whatever it is that affects your life. I'm not talking, like I said last week, about what colour socks you're going to wear today. But about key decisions for different stages of your and my life. What's the wise thing to do? Not what's the right thing to do. Not what's the legal thing to do. Not what can I get away with. But what's the wise thing to do? Because wisdom requires action. And we looked at this question in three dimensions last week. We looked at the fact that everyone's got a past, everyone's got a present, and everyone's got a future. And so this was the question. And this is what I gave you some homework last week. I gave you the homework of asking this question last week for seven days ahead of any decision that you'd make which might have some significant impact. And the question was this. In light of my past experience, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? And the reality is all of us have got a past, yeah? My past is not your past, your past is not my past. All of us got a current circumstances that are different, and all of us got different future hopes and dreams, different aspirations, things we want to achieve. So asking this question will look different to every single one of us because we're all different. Our current circumstances are different. Whether we're in a relationship or not, we're married, we're divorced, whether we're uh, in a job, whether we're looking for a job, where we're studying, where we, we want to find a job after we studied, 
whether you've got children, whatever different circumstances they're in, we all have different circumstances, and all those circumstances require wisdom. Wisdom. And wisdom looks different for you and for me. All our past circumstances are different, past, present, and future. And so, if you could ask one question, if you could ask it, what would happen if you asked that question but didn't do it? If I was to say to you, asking that question could literally change your and my life. And we said, we agreed, yes, that would that makes sense because I'm after wisdom in my life. And if we're a Christian here today, God actually wants us to walk in wisdom. God wants you and I to walk in wisdom. And if we're not yet a Christian here today, this can still have a positive impact on your life. Because walking in wisdom is a good thing, isn't it? But as Christians, God wants us to walk in wisdom. So if we knew that asking this question could help our life to walk in wisdom, and we knew it was a good thing to do, and we knew the answer to the questions we were asking, but we didn't do it, what would that say to you or to me? It would communicate to you and to me that we didn't have our best interests at heart. If I was about to make a decision, so I said, okay, in this situation, in light of my past experience, current circumstances, future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? And I got an answer. I thought, yeah, that's, that's the wise thing to do. But I didn't do it. It means actually I, did, I wasn't really bothered. I didn't have my best interests at heart. And if I haven't got my best interests at heart, who else has got my best interests at heart? There's people that care for me, that love me, but no one's really got the best interests of yourself at heart, really, than you. Who's got your best interests at heart? And... We're going to look a little bit in um, the Bible today about wisdom. There's, a, there's a, a man in the Bible. There's different types of books in the Bible, different types of literature. And one of the, um, the books in the Bible is called Proverbs. And that's got, it's written by, um, largely by a king called Solomon, who was the third king of Israel. And this king was the, most, was the wisest person that has ever lived. And he wrote different books. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes, he wrote the Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, and, um, you know, should be X-rated stuff if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're a child, <laughs> don't read it till you're, till you're married. <laughs> There's lots of, but it's all about wisdom in different contexts. And um, this man, King Solomon, was the wisest man. God said to him, what do you want? Ask me what you want. He could have asked for for wealth and riches, but he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom. So God gave him wisdom. So much so that the nations came to him. Kings and dignitaries from other nations came to him when they had an issue because they wanted wisdom. If they could get, like, literally a few minutes, an hour with King Solomon to seek his counsel, they wanted it. So, King Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, he refers to four different types of people. And one is a, a wise person. And we're talking about that today, aren't we? What's the wise thing for you and me to do? So if we make some good decisions, if we ask what's the wise thing for me to do 
and we do it, we're wise. However, if we ask the question, what's the wise thing to do, to do and we don't do it, then we're one of three different types of people, according to King Solomon. And the first person I want to talk to you about is this person here. Now, I want to just, before I go on any further, some of what I'm going to say today might come across a little bit offensive. Okay, so brace yourselves, okay? Because sometimes the truth can challenge us and can hurt us. So brace yourself. Some of the stuff I'm going to say today can come across as offensive. But don't take offense. Because it's good to hear some of the truth. And I am talking about my life as much as our lives together. So we're all humans. There are no robots here today, are there? Or listening on podcasts. And when we're talking about this stuff, there's going to be some stuff that will resonate with you. And you might be thinking as you, as you listen to this, I wish so-and-so was here today. Sometimes we do that, don't we? When we're listening to a, a sermon, a message, and think, ah, that's good, but I wish someone, because they really need to hear that. Well, they can hear it. The good thing is we've got a, uh, a website. On the website, <laughs> on the media page, podcasts, we have our, um, our podcast, and they can listen to it too. So do point them to it. So they're not being physically present here today. They can still listen to it at a later time, and you can point them to it. But the first person that Solomon refers to is the simple person. And the simple person is someone who is perhaps naive, clueless, who might lack experience. Proverbs um, chapter 7, verses 6 to 27 talks about a person that is, is, is going into a, a dangerous situation regarding relationships and regarding prostitution. And this person, described by Solomon, is simple. And we can all be simple. If we've not got experience in a certain area, we can be simple. We can be naive. We can be. And when we're particularly younger and we're growing up, when we're teenagers, we don't have experience. And so we're naive to a lot of different things in life. And you might be um, hearing this today, and you might be a parent, and you might have had countless conversations with your children as they've been growing up, saying, don't do that. That's going to lead to harm. That's going to be dangerous. That's going to take you off the wrong the right track, onto the wrong track. And perhaps that son or daughter of yours said things like this. Nothing's going to happen. I can handle it! Exclamation mark. You're overreacting, mum. You're overreacting, dad. I can handle it. But the truth is, when we're, particularly when we're certain ages, but particularly when we haven't got experience of life, in different situations, we may not always make wise choices. And so the mum and the dad that's trying to keep their daughter on track does it from a great heart and great motivation. They're not overreacting, necessarily, but because they see through life's experience, they live through it. And the first person that um, Solomon is talking about is the simple person. And if you like, don't trade in what you want most for what you want in the moment. 
Solomon's wisdom to us today is don't trade in what you want most for what you want in the moment. And we all have different passions, different desires. But remember, we have a future dreams, don't we? Future hopes. That's what you want most. Don't trade in that future destiny for your, your life for momentary pleasures, momentary things. Momentary things pass. And like I said last week, you could, in a moment, by a bad decision, find yourself in prison. You could, in a moment, by a bad decision, have an affair that wrecks your marriage. You can, in a moment, by a bad decision, see your children alienated from your life. Don't trade in what you want most for what you want in a moment. And Solomon continues by looking at the second person, which is the fool. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? We can be wise, a wise person. We can be, according to Solomon, a, a simple person. We can also be, according to Solomon, a fool. What is a fool? A fool knows, is a person that knows what to do, but doesn't care. The fool might even actually understand the consequences or the implication of their actions, but I want to do it anyway. And they might try and reason with a fool. So this is going to be offensive, didn't I? You might try and reason with someone that is going to make a foolish decision. They hear you. I hear you, they say. But I'm going to do it anyway. Perhaps as even describing that, you might think of people coming to your mind right now. People that you might have tried to encourage or help in the past. The fool knows, but just doesn't care. And as... I love this proverb. Proverbs 26 verse 11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, just picture that for a minute, a dog returning to its vomit. A dog returns, I mean, that's just lovely, isn't it? As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Fools know perhaps the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do, but they'll do the wrong thing anyway. And as... We said last week, Einstein's de definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Fool knows but doesn't care. For Proverbs 10 verse 23, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. And here's the cure. Here's the cure for the simple person or the fool. See, the simple person, it's time. Because give someone time and experience of life, hopefully they may learn by their mistakes. Isn't that true? But listen to the cure for the fool. Tragedy. Sometimes you may say to someone, don't do that. It could end in disaster. It could muck up your progress in your life. But they do it anyway. And, only, and sometimes for the fool, they can only learn the hard way. They can only learn by their mistakes. And this is the deal. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, Solomon wrote, Walk with the wise and become wise. 
Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. And the thing about the fool is almost like they're blinded by their own, their foolishness blinds them actually to their own selfishness. Because I'll be okay. But here we say, if we walk with the wise, we become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Who is the companion to a fool? Their parents. Their children. Their employees. Their employers. Their neighbours. Anyone that walks with someone who's making foolish decision is their companion. And the Bible says they will suffer harm. And so someone that says, I'm going to do it anyway, is making a foolish decision. But it's also a selfish decision. Because other people are also in the wreckage. But we can walk with the wise and to become wise. And the third person is called the mocker. Also referred to by Solomon as a scoffer. And the mocker is literally like a fool on steroids. <laughs> you, you, you can't reason with a mocker. A mocker is the sort of person, if you said, uh, hey, come to church with me today. We can have a great time. Oh, you, you go to church. Mm, okay. Uh, do you wear like nice big white socks? Do you carry a big Bible under your arm like that size? No, it's not for me, thank you. So you probably wouldn't invite a mocker to a church service. A mocker, generally speaking, is someone who is critical, condescending. There's, there's no trying to win a mocker around. In fact, what mockers do is they try and control. They'll talk a lot. And they'll try and control people's situations. Maybe because they've had a bad past or, or they feel intimidated or different things. So they bring it out in, in a controlling way. We've got a mocker. It's the fourth type of person that King Solomon was, was writing about. And Proverbs 9, verse 7 to 8 says this, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. It's true. If you try and correct someone who's blatantly not going to hear, who's not just someone who's making foolish decisions, but actually is a fool on steroids, whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Help a wise person. Show a wise person if they're going off course and they will love you and thank you in the end. And in summary of these four types of people, correct the simple and they won't get you. Because they haven't had the life experience. I think they think they know it. Correct a fool and they'll ignore you. They'll do it anyway. Correct a mocker, they will hate you. But church, let's be the fourth category. Correct the wise and they will thank you. They will thank you. Because we all have the benefit of hindsight, don't we? 
And sitting here today, I'm sure you can think of a time in your life, maybe, where you wish you could reverse the clock. You could go back into that situation, that relationship, that place, and not go there, do that, say that, think that. But we can't go back in time. We've only got the present leading into the future. And that's the benefit of hindsight and wisdom. But we can be wise people that help other wise people. But also, if someone wants to help us, be a wise person and receive that. So four types of people. But how does it apply to you today? I wonder if you ever asked any of these four questions. How could I have been so foolish? Have you ever thought that about your life? How could I have ever been so foolish? I felt that last year. On the 31st of, of December 2015, when I lost my drone. I was like, I haven't found it yet, no. I, just, I basically, uh, Leanne bought me a drone for Christmas, and I test flew it at Christmas, New Year's Eve, in pitch black in the garden, and... Uh, I had seven minutes flight time. After four minutes, I lost control and it went off somewhere. Never to be seen again. Foolish decision. How could I have been so foolish? I should have seen it coming. That's the benefit of hindsight, isn't it? I should have seen it coming. Question for you. Do you want to be wise? Do I want to be wise? Absolutely. Do you need to learn from the past and change your chair. You see, Solomon talks about here three different cha- chairs. The simple person si- sitting in the simple chair. The foolish person sitting in the full chair. And the person that mocks sitting in the mocker's chair. But don't you, perhaps you need to actually, if you identify with any one of these three categories, simple person, foolish person, or mocker, it may not be in every aspect of your life, it might be in one aspect. There's a fourth chair that's not out here. And that's the chair of the wise. And do you need to, in some areas of your life, become a wise person? Move from the simple to the wise, the fool to the wise, the mocker to the wise. How can you do that? The reality is, and this is, I was reflecting on this with someone else the other day, but we always know what's best thing to do for someone else. We know what's the best thing to do for our children to do. We know what's the best thing for our husband or our wife to do, or our partner. We know the best thing for our neighbours to do, or our friends to do. But sometimes we struggle to understand what's the best thing for me to do. Why? Because in the decision-making process of some of the things that we do and we take, decisions we need to make, there's emotions involved. There's emotions involved. And if you were able to have almost like an out-of-body experience and look at yourself as if it wasn't yourself, as someone different, you'd be able to give that person some wise counsel. But it's hard to when you're in there because emotionally charged environments are not ideal for decision-making. This whole thing about changing your chair, becoming a wise person, what can you do? Our emotions make the obvious less obvious. Maybe you've got a big decision. Maybe you're at a stage where you've got to make some crunch decisions. 
whether it's to do with a, a financial investment, whether it's to do with just simple day-to-day living in terms of your handling of your finances or in your married life, your relationships. Our emotions make the obvious less obvious. So how can you change your chair and make some wise decisions? Ask this question. What's the wise thing to do? That's our question, isn't it? What's the wise thing to do when emotions are high or appetites are inflamed? Supermarkets know what they're doing. Supermarkets have, it's, it's incredible, all the different rows of food, and, and, uh, but they always have, near the, the checkouts, all the sweets. And often I mean, parents might be going with their children. I know when we've gone shopping with our children, and the, the sweets are within, they're not even up high, they're low. So the kids can go by and they have it in their hands. Can I have this, mummy? And sometimes our kids are almost opening the packet of sweets. No, you can't. But try telling a child with a packet of sweets in their hand, no, you can't. It's really hard. If they didn't have it in their possession, it would be a bit easier. But when it's in their possession, they've got ownership and their appetites are being inflamed. No, you can't have that. What's the wise thing to do when emotions are high and appetites are inflamed? And I'm going to tell you the answer to this. And this is revolutionary. Actually, it is revolutionary, but you're going to think, is that it, Dave? Is this really where the the message is heading? Listen. If you want to change your chair in any aspect of your life and and improve your decision-making, listen. God has created you and I to live in community. He's created his birth us to live in community, born into community, live in community. And there's people within our community that have your best interests at heart. And you might not always agree with the person, but as my mum always told me, Dave, you've got two ears and one mouth. Listen. We need to be people who know what it is to listen. If you don't want to be a fool and make some foolish decisions, listen. If you don't want to be a mocker, listen. If you don't want to be simple, listen. Men, when we're driving and we get lost, what's the one thing we don't want to do? I'm generalizing. But stop and ask for directions. And I, in my simple days, foolish days, had this thing that if I kept on going, I'll get there. I keep going straight, I'll get there. Fool. <laughs> I was once going on a, a, a youth weekend. I literally went, we were going down south. I ended up going, I think, north or something. Yeah, Wales, way off course. Listen, stop, ask for directions. And let's be honest, I'm talking as a man. Sometimes us men aren't the best at doing this. And there's reasons for that. And the main reason, well, we'll come on to that, the reason in a minute. We already know that wise people, this is the thing, we already know what wise people are going to say, and we don't want to hear it. Sometimes we don't ask people because we know what's going to be coming in our direction, but I don't want to hear it. Leanne, even last night, was 
trying to give me some advice. And it was a bit like, no, 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 no. I didn't want to hear it last night. We know what people are going to say, but we don't want to hear it. And what's the problem with that? The problem with that is because you might and I might make a decision in the private that has got public consequences. Every decision we make in the private will always have a public consequence. Even I heard in the news this, this week about this um, Donald Trump getting into more, more trouble. Um, obviously, he's, he's trying to go for the presidential elections, and he, was, he can't let, a, let, a, let something lie. He, has to, he was getting into trouble, and, and just, this confrontation, conflict's happening with him and Samuel Jack, Jackson, a well-known um, actor. Because decisions that are made in the private have public consequences. The unfortunate thing for Donald, Donald Trump is that he's got 6.7 million followers on Twitter. And he's also in the public domain because he's, looking, he's running for the presidency. Our private decisions, back to you and I, have public consequences. And this is the word that will keep you and I from asking other people for advice. It's pride. It's pride. Men. Pride can take you and I from making great choices. Because pride can stop you and I from listening to other people. This is particularly a male trait. Also found in women. But this is particularly a male trait. You talk to any successful, if a, if a, if a wealthy person came to this room today and we, people started to talk to them, they've done certain things that are right in their life to get wealth. That doesn't mean to say that they're wise in every aspect of their life. And we then think, well, because of their success on certain platforms, they're successful in every aspect of their life. And therefore, we might listen to everything they say. But the reality is, we need to listen. And even the wealthy person needs to listen. When we've got success in any aspect of our life, we can delude ourselves and fool ourselves in thinking we're better than what we really are. And it's not true. Because like I said last week, we all have blind spots. So we need to have our two ears open to listen. To listen. We don't always have to take things on board because you might genuinely disagree. But we do need to listen. And anyone that is successful in any consultancy business always has to listen. Because if you're listening to what the customer wants, you'll deliver what the customer needs through listening. Pride will hold us back. Somebody can see what you and I can't. The reality is, let's say, for example, let's take a, for example, let's take a marital situation. I'm sure not many of us in this room here today are marriage counsellors. But if before you were to come a, a man and a woman with a marital difficulty and you were to listen to it, I think it wouldn't take you long to find out what the problem was. And you'd be able to offer, I believe, some wise counsel, some wise wisdom. Why? Because you're not 
in that marital situation where there's emotion. And you can see, perhaps what the couple can't see, and make a wise decision for them. But when it's you and I, it's difficult because emotions run high. Somebody can see what you can't see. My challenge to us today is let's be people that are wise. Let's ask that question in, in view of your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing to do? And then secondly, ask someone else, what do you see? What do you see? If you've got a problem in your, in your life, ask someone. Don't be proud. Ask someone. What do you see about this? Someone that has got your back, someone that loves you or cares for you. Not that, not, you don't, you're not going to go to this person, are you? The mocker. And you're not going to go to this person, are you? The fool. You're going to go to a wise person and someone that cares for you. What do you see? Can you see any suggestions? And listen. And then weigh up with that, the results of that question that you asked. What's the wise thing for me? For us. For me and my wife. For me and my husband. For me and my family. For me and my work, workers at work. For me and my boss. For me to do. Church, let's be a people that seek after wisdom above everything else in our decision-making of 2016. Let's pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.